Aviv never realizes anything is about sex. It's like, I just came and the angels sang. And Aviv's like, wait, that was about sex? (laughs) (laughs) Never occurred to me until just now. Close enough. (laughs) Hello. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that says bye, bye, bye to all of the toxic people in your life. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I don't know. The show that is. No, hold on. The show that is the sixth member of every musical group we talk about. I, my name is Aviv Rubenstein. I'm your host. Joining me as always, having literally the greatest week of her entire life. As always. as always. Hello. <laughs> and so, Lindsay, last week yeah. we had a, a very special episode. It was two weeks ago, bro. Last episode, two weeks ago, <laughs> we had a very special episode on Lu- Lucifer, Pol- <laughs> Lucifer Perlman. And we had a yes. very special guest. His name we did. His name was Matthew Ducey. And we promised that this week would be part two of the Lou Perlman story. We did. And it well, is. we promised that last week would be, but well, we didn't listen, show up. We got busy. <laughs> um, and it is. We are excited to welcome back Matthew Ducey, producer of the boy band con, colon, the Lou Perlman story. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thank you. I came back. I couldn't stop. I, there was still more I had to talk about. Not done. Still more you Not had done. to talk about. So Still more. Last week, we covered kind of the rise of Lou Pearlman from humble beginnings to the, his cash cows realizing that he uh, needed to, that they needed to get rid of him. So, Lindsay, could you give us a quick recap on what we talked about last week? Sure. We talked about um, Lou Perlman was just a young buck in the Bronx playing stickball and (laughs) he (laughs) fell in love with blimps. Whomst among us. (laughs) He started a blimp business and immediately crashed a Jordache blimp that he pimped out with gold paint. Um, and then what did he do? He committed insurance fraud with that blimp and (laughs) he went ahead. Uh, he invented blimp advertising, slapping, you know, MetLife on the blimp. And then he decided to charter helicopters. Like I'm getting some helicopter-y vibes. Yeah. Um, Private planes and helicopters, right? (laughs) And which brought him to meet new kids on the block who are just a bunch of kids that were chartering his plane. And he was like, what the hell? How do these kids afford my plane? And then he found out about boy bands. And so he decided he was going to get himself a couple of those and pit them <laughs> against each other and steal all their money. Yes. So he had legally had himself 
at, listed as the sixth member of both NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, as well as LFO, which stands, we learned, for which Light I, Funky Ones. Light Funky Ones, which I guess you would be the fourth member of that band. <laughs> sure. Yes. And, uh, and all of the, the girl groups as well. So he, he owned the record label, was their manager, was their sixth member, um, provided housing and transportation for them, and so basically bled all of them dry. And our our last episode leaves off where uh, NSYNC has just gone eleven times platinum. There's a which is eleven million copies of their record. Uh, they have a, this big check ceremony at Lowry's Steakhouse in L.A. where Lou presents them with ten thousand dollars each, which is if you're playing along at home, not enough money. And so both. InSync and the Backstreet Boys decide that they need to dump Lou. And that would be the end of the story, typically. Typically. But not not today. Not our boy. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thanks. Um, yeah, I I found I sold Aviv, I found our movie outline, so I'm gonna be a lot more clear. So that's good. I have things listed in order. Because oh, there's fine. so many there's so many crimes. Uh, how do yes. you even start? So we're gonna talk a lot gonna talk about crimes today we're talking about crimes so we'll start where we're kind of like so we've all <laughs> Lou Perlman has the unique exception of being sued by every single one of his bands every single one of them sued them even the ones even U5 and Take 5 and O-Town and Natural and like everybody heart solid harmony all of these like little 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 bands they all sued him and they all won um, so they either settled out of court or they won. So clearly he was not doing anything appropriate with these contracts if everybody was was suing him and winning. So basically what happened is Brian Luttrell is like, hey, from the Backstreet Boys is like, hey, we have only made $300,000. Can my can I have so can someone look into this? So he has a lawyer look into this and the lawyer's like, this man has made millions and millions and millions of dollars. You, sh- you need to get out of your contract. And so the Backstreet Boys started suing Lou first, and NSYNC followed right after with that check presentation, and then it was just dominoes after that with everybody just suing him over and over and over, just one right after the other. Backstreet Boys, who had sold more than 11, they had sold almost double what NSYNC had sold because they had a year head start. Yep. And he had, at that point, made $300,000 for how many years worth of work, of labor, God, I would say this, what, like probably four or five at this point, just nonstop boy touring, band. just being a, yeah. the, being on a, being on everybody's uh, wall in their bedroom. <laughs> they made only 300,000 split six ways. So. Good. Oh, wait, that's total? Yeah. Holy shit. That's really, really bad. Guys. Yeah. The, the group received $300,000. For selling like 20 million records. Yeah. So no big. Yeah, no big. I thought I heard like two fifty or two eighty somewhere. So um, at least it was three hundred. Yeah, they got they got a little bit <laughs> from from the corrections department. Matt, you had mentioned that they were they had made uh, twenty dollars a day in per diem, and according to your very own movie, it was, was it forty like thirty five thirty five forty it was thirty five dollars. Yeah. Okay. So we we got to strive for accuracy here. But I, I I know in the context you were saying it was like twenty bucks, um, but. We have some listeners who are sticklers. Okay, thank you. So. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Keep me, keep me Nipping honest. Some tweets and keep me honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so yeah, what was so great? plus thirty five dollars plus thirty five dollars a day. So basically, Backstreet Boys is settling with Lou. They settle, um, and they Lou Perlman hires. Okay, let's play a game. I want to play a game. So which of okay. you can't answer? So it's just with Lindsay. So 
Nate, which famous murderess's lawyer did Lou Pearlman also retain to fight the Backstreet Boys? Guesses. Like famous, which like your like your Nancy famous? Grace, your Nancy Grace cases, your like moms who kill their husbands or their kids. Like get take a wild guess as to the company that Lou Pearlman's keeping here. Diane Dawes. I don't even know who that is. She killed all her kids. <laughs> yeah, she, is she the one who drove them into the lake? Is that that she, one? This is like, very dark. She shot them in a car. She shot them in a car. Yep. There's a Lifetime movie about it, and Hungry Like a Wolf is playing while she's killing them. And like, I could never um, unhear that when I hear Hungry Like a Wolf. I'm like, <laughs> dead children. <laughs> Tune in next week for our Hungry Like, for the, our wolf hungry like the Wolf episode. Um, no, so her, Lou Pearlman's lawyer gets the Backstreet Boys was Chaney Mason, and Chaney Mason is famous for representing famous Florida mobsters, and also Casey Anthony, if you remember Casey Anthony, whose daughter was found murdered, and she famously was acquitted, and now is a photographer in the greater Columbus area, slash... I think she has an OnlyFans, but I, I'm, I'm not, don't quote me on it. But so I was freaking, I've never been more excited to meet a person in my life. Like we got to go to Florida and meet Chaney Mason. And the whole time everybody was like, Matt, don't, you can't talk to him about Casey Anthony. That's not what we're here for. Everyone talks to him about Casey Anthony. <laughs> and I'm like, he's got his Casey Anthony book. He's got 10 of them behind him. Like, of course he wants to talk about Casey Anthony. So I waited until the very last moment to do it. And it was the greatest moment of my life. It was wonderful. So, so quick digression. Casey Anthony murdered her, her kid. Allegedly. Kaylee, right? Kaylee, yeah. Allegedly murdered her kid, Kaylee, and said that she had just, like, gone missing. Is yeah. that the deal? And it was one of those things where, like, the daughter goes missing, and then there's a bunch of photos of the mom at some shitty hometown sports bar, just, like, oh, yeah, wasted. Was, like, and you're like, your daughter's missing, right? And so that was a whole big, like, thing. Gripping. Gripping. I, I we recently did the the rip from the headlines Casey Anthony episode from uh, an on the Law and Order SVU podcast. Is that the one with Hillary Duff? Yes, it is the one with Hillary Duff. Good, <laughs> good pull. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so so he retains Casey Anthony's lawyer, yes. which is a good look for him. It's a good look for him. So he settles that with the Backstreet Boys, and I, nobody knows the actual physical details, but from what I've gathered is that he still had some... Like, the Backstreet Boys never actually broke up, and so... Lou Perlman still got profits from out subsequent albums of theirs. I don't know the specific numbers, but it was at least two or three of that. It doesn't matter that he's not their manager anymore. They still have to, they still had to pay him uh, money. Because they signed to like a, a, yeah, a certain XL amount of records or yeah. whatever. And NSYNC happened the same, the same way. And so NSYNC sues Lou Perlman and Lou Perlman countersues NSYNC for their name and their likeness and their music and everything. Cause his whole thing is you're, you're, you would be nothing if I didn't build you, if you didn't have me. So I technically own a piece of you forever. I am you. Um, so they finally settled with Lou and Lou got the next I believe two or three albums from NSYNC as well. Um, so in order to give them a big little F you, uh, they were on a trip in London, I believe. And so they're driving around and uh, someone in the car, I think Chris Kirkpatrick in the car is singing like, I ain't got no strings on me. And then Lance Bass tells the story. He's like, no strings attached. And then everyone's like, what? And it's like, that's the album title. <laughs> and so they're Wait, just so, like, okay. But so, so Kirkpatrick is like, is like making fun of Lou or like talking about being free from Lou. Yeah. And like, you know, that Disney song that's like, song. I got no strings, whatever yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. So yeah, from Pinocchio. Yeah. To hold so, me down. 
Yep. And so they basically were like, they had that like moment in the car of like, oh, this is it. We're finally free from blue. No strings attached. And so then no strings attached <laughs> is going to lead us to our, our song of the uh, song of the week, which is bye, 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 which you might think is about like a scorn lover or like an ex-girlfriend. But like in this right. context, when you look back, a lot of these songs and a lot of this music is about be, being free and being able to be kind of like artists on their own, which is really interesting. Cause like what, I, what fascinated me most was like looking back and like recontextualizing all the music. Cause you're like, Oh, mm. this is dark now. This isn't what like, it's we, weird. <laughs> we were like 12 and like th- those songs have like not to uh, prescribe too much meaning to them, but like we were talking to the guy, a guy who wrote the book named John Seabrook about um, Max Martin. He wrote a book called the sound machine. And he was telling us that like baby one more time is just like a missing translation like it do- hit me baby one more time doesn't mean anything he didn't really like it's a like the hit me was like a weird language barrier so like it's like call song- me right like hit me up. yeah like hit me up but like it's also about it's about nothing the song's about nothing but everyone <laughs> just like decided what it was about <laughs> so this is you bring up an interesting thing right because because max martin was the the king of these pop songs and basically none of them like really meant anything right none of them like God must have spent a little more time on you is not really like that's so cringy. R- yes. And like tearing <laughs> up my heart doesn't really mean it's like very surface. And this is their break. This is like a quote unquote breakup song, right? Which mm-hmm. I don't know that they had before. And it has this like subtext of like legal disputes, right? <laughs> yep. So let's take a quick listen to Bye Bye Bye. So they're really taking this Pinocchio thing, <laughs> literally. Very far. <laughs> Pinocchio, the creepiest movie of all time. This, I think this might be the best sync song. It certainly hits the hardest. This and It's Gonna Be Me, which is the same album, right? I believe so, yeah. It's gonna be me. Also, justice for JC. He really tried afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well, he was he was like the lead singer, right? Yeah. And then everyone. This is like this also corresponds to people starting to like Justin Moore. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he did that weird "Some Girls Dance with Women" queer baiting song about like girls just want to make out when he's what? in front of him at the club. That was his like breakout hit. So it didn't really take. I don't know that's... Yeah, it's called. We gotta some... listen okay. to that we song. We need to hear next. that. Yeah, it's called <laughs> yeah. Some, some Girls Dance with Women. <laughs> Justin's obviously the better singer. And he's the best dancer. Yeah, it's just a weird miss where they were like, he's the handsome, he's the most like palatable for everybody. Like he's gonna be the star, and it just Justin is just so talented that it just like. Justin's probably what a year or two off from a solo career here, so like. Mm-hmm. And the amazing film Friends with Benefits or just Friends. Just whatever, which, whatever one it was. I think you're talking about On the Line with Lance Bass and Joey Fatone. I have a DVD of that.
Well, speaking of, of films, I found my French copy just now on my desk of the film Long Shot, which was oh, a film that? that Lou produced with Transatlantic Records. So he made a movie. This is from Transcontinental Pictures. So we have Transcontinental Records. We have Transcontinental Airlines. Now we have Transcontinental Pictures. And so this is a movie called Long Shot. And it's if you've ever wondered what it would be like to catch all your favorite stars in one movie, here's your chance. With awesome cameos by Innocence, C-Note, O-Town, and LFO, Long Shot is a movie what? like you've never seen before. Get ready for hot new music and nonstop stargazing on an unbelievable adventure where two brothers find that when life hands you curveballs, sometimes the best solution turns out to be a long shot. So let's take a quick watch of the Long Shot trailer, which is currently... Which is in the chat. <laughs> Not to be confused with The Long Shot. Which is good. I like that movie. That was a good movie. When the odds are against you. Every great player misses shots. You got the talent. All you need is the confidence. When the opportunities pass you. You know, first you blow the shot and the game. Now look at what young Alex has done. And when you don't know what to do, there's only a few people who can show you. Eye to eye. Face to face. I can take care of myself. All the right moves. Look, if you'll just be yourself, everything's going to be fine. You know their tunes. You know their faces. Oh, there are people standing over there at work. Now see them in action. The craziest thing I've ever seen. Turn it up, watch. Oh, JC Shazay, the pizza shop? What is this music? I don't know what the problem is, but they've got to get in sync. Join Innocent. Is that Justin? Uh-huh. LFO oh, there's Lance Bass as the pilot. In a story about beating the odds. Starring Hunter Tylo, Danielle Fischel, Ellen Albertini Dow, introducing Tony DiCamillis and Joey Scalthorpe with Antonio Sabato Jr. and Paul Sorvino. Long shot. Cameo appearances by Britney Spears, NSYNC members Lance Bass, J.C. Chazay, Joey Fatou, Chris Kirkpatrick, and Justin Timberlake. Long shot. Holy what? shit. What? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. And I was like an eighth grade girl at the time of this coming up. <laughs> but, like, it's like, it's like from Justin to Kelly. It's the precursor to from Justin to <laughs> Kelly, if you remember that American Idol classic film. Of course I do. <laughs> so so let's count the revenue streams. We not only have Transatlantic Records and him managing NSYNC and being in NSYNC Backstreet Boys, et cetera, et cetera. He also has transcontinental movie films. Pictures, yes. And pictures. And he also is the star of the first season of Making the Band. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about Lou Pearlman's media empire. So... To, to like refocus a little bit, we, uh, funny, funny long shot tangent though, we met with the mobsters. So Lou had like a gang of goons and they're like all his guys from like Queens or whatever. And he stuck with them his whole life. It's these weird gang. They all think that they're, when we were meeting with them, they kept at, they kept telling us, they kept pitching us Goodfellas. And they were like, we're Goodfellas. We're Orlando, Tampa, Goodfellas. And they're just these like small time 
mob guys who are all like involved in lose business and stuff. And we were talking to them. We met them at a pizza shop after hours. And we were like, I don't know. And so like all these guys start coming one by one because they wanted to check us out because they didn't know they didn't trust us. And there was like there were a couple guys we couldn't find. Like our researchers were looking and they're like associates of Lou couldn't find them anywhere. Can't get in touch with them. Can't get a hold of them. We go to this creepy pizza shop. It's nighttime. We're meeting with these weird mop guys. And then one by one, all the guys we weren't able to find start showing up and being like, what? Yeah. And being like no is that they called the guys so like we met a couple of the main guys who we were in contact with and so they were texting the other guys we couldn't find being like they're okay they're cool you can come by and meet that like so they were very worried about like us doing something like it was the creepiest thing i've ever been a part of but like one by one just these like almost like celebrities i was like oh my god it's you we've been looking for you like wild jesus yeah, it was very okay. scary. I was a little worried for a minute. I was like about to start texting people like, this is definitely like a mob situation that we're in right now. And I don't love <laughs> this. This. Is my, this is my address. This is my address. This I'm is at where this, I am. I'm at pizza because Lou opened up a series of pizza shops, right? And this was at one of what? this was at one of Lou's pizza shops that some of his associates still own. Like he doesn't own it anymore, but the other guys still do. NYPD Pizza is what it was called. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. And I've eaten there. And how is it? It's it's fine. It's just pizza. It was more fear based when I was eating it, but okay. So he had transatlantic records. Mm-hmm. He was a member of all of these bands legally. He was their manager. Mm-hmm. He provided their housing. He provided their transportation. He owned NYPD Pizza. He made this movie, which clearly didn't make any money, or else Lindsay would have seen it. Mm-hmm. TCBY Yogurts. Oh, excuse me. He owned TCBY Yogurts. He owned right. Chippendales. Um, he invested in Chippendales, which is already embroiled in its own murder scandal. So, like, fine. Correct. So he enrolled in. He he bought portion of Chippendales, and then he basically again. This is like a Lou Pearlman thing. Kind of shepherded this like idea of producer manager on television so basically lou nsync and backstreet boys had sued lou and so he wasn't making money off of them anymore but he had to keep this kind of like band factory going and because that's the only way that you can continue to make money as he thought like it's a volume game it's a factory it's a formula so he wasn't getting the traction from like the music side so he decided to approach abc and decide we found we i found his uh his reality tv pitch from prison that he sent uh because he kept continuing to be a reality TV producer at the end of his life from jail. Um, Spoiler alert. (laughs) But (laughs) his pitch is basically American Idol. Yeah. So Lou Lou came up with basically with with ABC making the band. And so he thought, hey, in order to get people to get invested into like, who's your favorite boy band member? We'll just make it a reality competition. Survivor is huge now. American Idol is that like these kinds of reality competition is a real genre. So he's like, how do we make this about boy bands? So basically it was an audition process. And then the members of O-Town were found like on, on this show and the show ran for three seasons. And that's why O-Town kind of had the popularity they did. But Lou was like a character on this show. And like, there's all these scenes of him, like forcing them to sign contracts and then being like, these contracts aren't good. And he's like, no, like full Donald Trump style. Like these are the best contracts you'll ever, you'll ever see. I don't give anybody a deal like that. These are the, um, you're blah, blah, blah. So he was fully like, it's on camera on TV. Um, him, and, and- 
honestly that's but that's who he wants to be right he he wants to be as famous as them now 100 way to do that yep and he doesn't care if he looks right. creepy on the show or whatever it is or he looks like because they openly discuss like on the show that these contracts are bad and that nsync had sued them and backstreet boys had sued them and all these guys just continue to sign. Ashley Parker Angel was telling us, like, from O-Town, he was like, you know, I'm struggling to make it. I'm living in, like, mid-California. I don't know what you call, like, Arcadia. Somewhere that's, like, not in the industry, but it's like, I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden, this guy who makes NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys hands you a record deal. And it's like, that might be the last record deal you ever get. So even if it's a bad one, it's better than none. And so that's how I think he was able to get a lot of these people, even after they knew that he was, his contracts were bad is because a record deal is better than no record deal. And he used the pedigree of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys to be like, Oh no, no worth. It's not going to matter what the contracts look like. Those guys are ungrateful because I'm going to give you, you're going to be the next Backstreet Boys and they're just ungrateful. And I gave them everything, but like you aren't going to do that to me and Bob, and we'll make so much money. And that's his whole kind of like pitch going forward now with them. But before too long, O-Town also sues him by the way, O-Town, was my mom's favorite of all of these my mom definitely watched making the band and was like very into all or nothing at all she was uh-huh. like super into that yeah. town song it's a good one that's a banger Did they have the song I... like we're gonna go all night ain't no stop until the breaking of the dawn i don't that know O-Town? that could have literally could have been any of them <laughs> it's like <laughs> super like hard about sex like they I want to ha- go inside. There ain't no stop. <laughs> like, it's like fucking. They did crazy. have. They did have liquid dreams, which is about coming. If you remember Whoa. that song, Matt. And because all I they do is list Matt. hot women's names and then talk about the liquid dreams they're having. They're about nocturnal Matt. emissions. <laughs> what? Why are you just saying Matt? Oh, it's because We Fit Together by O Town. My meeting discount. Well, the one I'm talking O-Town. about. <laughs> but. I never realized that Liquid Dreams was about... Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Aviv never realizes anything is about sex. It's like, I just came and the angels sang. And Aviv's like, wait, that was about sex? (laughs) (laughs) Never occurred to me until just now. Yeah. And not just jizzing. It's about like nocturnal emissions, which is like an even subset of just regular coming. You know what I mean? We have to move on. I can't can't do this anymore. Yeah, I mean... Um, I, I I dream of posters of love surrounding me, lost in a world of fantasy. Every night she comes to me and gives me all the love I need. Come on. Jesus. <laughs> so that's Liquid Dreams. Okay, so before long, O-Town sues Lou as well. Yes, and if you ever want to do an episode about the Making the Band second series with Danity Kane, I would love to talk about Danity Kane forever and Diddy's influence on the Making the Band series. So just Hell FYI. Yeah. <laughs> um, for our 100th episode. For our 100th episode, <laughs> we're doing Danity Kane. Um, no, so yeah, so Lou is basically at that point where he's got all of his feelers out. He's trying to make as much money and a quick buck as possible. He buys a company called Options Talent. And if you remember, it's those thing those websites where you like post your photo you pay them like 20 bucks a month or whatever and you post your photo as a model and then the idea is is that fashion labels and clothing designers or whatever look up these pages and then they book you for modeling well when he bought the company it was already under investigation for fraud great and he was like i don't care so he just bought it why do we add lou pearlman to the mix and they were said hey you got to fix all these things and he was like no 
thanks. I'm not going to. So <laughs> he it gets referred to the uh, attorney general's office in Florida. And wait, the attorney general like Pam Bondi, her? Oh my God, Pam Bondi. This is Charlie. This is then Attorney General Charlie Crist, the the governor. Mm. So the assistant AG Dowd gets this case for options talent, and it's like. It's from like the consumer fraud protection, basically. So her job is to investigate, but like the Better Business Bureau, that kind of stuff. So she goes to Options Talent and like she makes an appointment with Lou and she's like, I'm coming to Options Talent. And so she goes to the office and she notices like that she's in the office, she's walking around, she's doing the tour and everybody's just like working. They're just like looking down and typing and typing and typing and no one's looking up and no one's talking to it and Lou's saying like, you know, blah, 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 giving her the whole show. And she's like, this is so weird. Like, why is, if somebody was going to walk through my workspace like you would like look up or like you would be like who is this like attorney general lady walking through our office well turns out lou had right. hired all of those people they were all fake people they did not work in the office so they he paid everybody <laughs> to pretend so she leaves that office and she's like this was fake what the fuck like and so she tells her boss um, like, hey, we we are not. They were like, hey, are you done? What are you satisfied with this investigation? And she was like, no, like this. Clearly, something's going on. And then a week later, she was told her services were no longer needed because Lou Pearlman allegedly uh, the AG at the time is governor is is eventual governor Charlie Crist. And Lou Pearlman's flying Charlie Crist on his planes. Lou Pearlman's donating to Charlie Crist's campaign. And so everyone thinks that Lou Pearlman is in Charlie Crist's pocket. So Charlie Crist made that whole investigation about options talent just go away. Um, so there's... Holy shit. Yeah. And so there's no proof of this. But um, it's definitely like, you know, there are financial records and there are like in lawsuits, there's like him like flying on his private plane with like Aaron Carter and Charlie Crist. And like, it's wild. So he was like entrenched in Orlando, Florida politics, really. So like he in Orlando, are you guys familiar with Orlando? Lindsay is, yes. So, you know, like Church Street. I own a house there. It's the bane (laughs) of my fucking existence. (laughs) So, like, you know, like, downtown, like, Church Street? Mm-hmm. Like, the Church Street station and stuff? So, Lou basically went to the city and was like, hey, I'm going to renovate. I'm going to do the entire downtown. I have this whole project. I'm opening up. Transatlantic Records was on Church Street. He had a steakhouse that he opened that was underneath. The, that was underneath. And so, he had this massive plan to kind of, like, reinvigorate the downtown of Orlando. And so, he scammed everybody into thinking that like he was going to be able to like revitalize the city with his music and his reality tv and all this stuff and it was just all a sham like because he had no money like he wasn't able to do any of that he was just hanging on by strings at that point um but so like he was like deep like it was a whole block of church street it was wild like all of his old offices and businesses he had a massive plan to like revitalize the city oh my goodness (laughs) okay so if we jump way way back one note I did want to, one piece I did want to note is that uh, Lou is obviously a liar, right? Everything he says is fake. Mm-hmm. The one thing that he used to claim when he was little was that Art Garfunkel was his cousin. And he was like, he used that to like <laughs> brag to all the kids. Well, turns out <laughs> it is literally one of the only true things about Lou Pearlman is that <laughs> what? Art, Art Garfunkel came to his bar mitzvah. Like Art Garfunkel is actually his cousin. And that's why he thought he could be in music that like cousin Artie was going to help him or whatever. So it's this weird, like New York 
Simon and Garfunkel thing. So like we got Garfunkel in the mix, like we're all ready. But so if we go back to Lou, we're going back into the past. We're like Backstreet Boys are in their infancy. Maybe NSYNC's about to start. So Lou Lou, Lou opens up Transcontinental Airlines. So he's been doing his little charter thing. But now he's saying like, hey, I have these I have this airline and you should invest in it. So he had a these thing called an ESA account. Um, so an, an ESA account is an employee investment savings account. Um, that is not real. It is a, like a, it's not, it's a name that he made up. So it kind of sounds like a FISA. It sounds very like banky or whatever. Um, so he creates he, this. It's not, it's nothing. Well, he creates this account for his company. And so he says to his employees like, Hey, you can invest in, uh, this ESA account with the company and blah, 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 blah. And it's like a it's alternative retirement thing, basically. So he's running this, he's running this. And then a little later, he's oh, like, wait, hold wait, 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 wait. So, okay. Not only does he create this account, which which of which is not a thing, right? right. This, what is it? ESA. What does yeah. ESA stand for? Uh, employee investment savings account, I believe. Let me just double check. Employee investment savings, savings account. account. Yep. And so he says, "Okay, I've got this account, but for all intents and purposes, this account is Lou Pearlman." And he says, "Employees, instead of giving you a four hundred one k, you can." you can contribute to this ESA account and it will like, you'll get interest on it and it'll like grow. Yes. Because Lou, Lou would tell people like, I can get the best rates with the banks. Cause I have so much money. Like I can get you the best deal. Like you're basically signing into like a company owned hedge fund. So Lou says, here's what I'm going to do. Cause I'm Lou Perlman. I'm going to let the, I'm going to open this up to everybody now. So no matter who you are, you can invest in the friends and family account at transcontinental airlines because I'm running this successful airline, so you can invest in this, and then that's a great place to invest. So Lou hires a bunch of people in Florida and in a lot of the southern states, so they're calling, and they're basically doing, like, basically telemarketing, so they're just calling people and being like, hey, I have this amazing investment opportunity with Transcontinental Airlines, Lou Pearlman, NSYNC, boy bands, like, you can, this is like the ground floor, it's for friends and family only, you can get in this deal, so everybody's investing with Lou. And so Lou's running this at the same time as he's starting Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And so they're all, it's all kind of happening concurrently. So it's also bizarre that he is making more money than he could possibly imagine by grifting the two biggest bands on the planet, two biggest like pop groups on the planet. And yet he's also got like a, like a two buildings full of employees just calling old folks around the country being like do you want to invest in this in this airline yes yep and so he's flying everybody on his plane so anytime we're on a anytime we're with with lou like nsync backstreet boys whoever like it's lou's plane lou would would have them come on the plane and be like you guys like this plane i own this plane or like i'm gonna buy this plane or i'm thinking about buying this plane or whatever and so lou had this like everyone just assumed that lou perlman is like this airline magnet and boy band magnet and all of these different things and we come to find out that lou perlman doesn't own an airline so Transcontinental Airlines is is not real. He doesn't own a plane. He doesn't own a helicopter. He doesn't own a kite. He owns nothing. So anytime he's been on a plane with anybody, he's basically telling people he owns planes. But they're not his planes. He has a photo in his office of him standing in front of one of his like 747 planes. But he took a plane model that he had his childhood friend Alan Gross make and just had a photograph taken of him on the runway in Queens 
and it just put if you put the plane like in a certain spot when you take the photo it looks like the plane is landing and so that's what he would use to set, to sell people that like he owns a fleet of planes but he doesn't own any planes so there's no airline <laughs> there's nothing so all of these people are investing in nothing and Lou's taking that money to pay for his boy bands so like where did Lou get all this money to start these boy bands he's literally it's it's pure ponzi scheme stuff so he's you know borrowing from peter to pay paul and it's wild. So there is no airline. There's nothing. It's a complete fraud. Okay, I have to. Okay, so he. So okay, I'm. I'm a guy. I'm yep. a pot- potential investor. Yep. And I'm like, hey, Lou, I don't know about this airline. Mm-hmm. Why should I invest in your airline? Are your planes good? And and Lou produces the picture a picture. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is my airplane landing at the airfield. Look at how great it is. Yes. But it's actually just like it's a, a model. model. It's, a, it's a model. I've seen it. Yeah. It's like a little toy painted model. It says transcontinental. Yeah. That says transcontinental airlines on it. And then what Lou would also do is they would say, like, they would say, like, I'm worried about this investment account or whatever. And Lou would say, oh, no, no, we're insured by Lloyd's of London and the FDIC. And he would provide, he would say, we'd provide them documents that said, like, Lloyd's of London certified or whatever. And they were all completely forged. So he would just forge fake financial documents to help to get people to, like, believe him. And then some folks we talked to, like, in Tampa or Orlando or in St. Petersburg would drive to, they would, like, drive to Orlando because, like, in any Ponzi scheme, he starts running out of money, right? Backstreet Boys and NSYNC sue him, so he doesn't have that financial support anymore. So these investors are starting to get these, you know, if they're getting them at all, financial reports once a month from Transcon saying, like, here's my account, here's what my money's doing, all that kind of stuff. And so they start not getting reports. So people start, you know, reaching out and being like Lou, like people who had personal connections to him would be like Lou, and like Lou's always busy, Lou's out of town, Lou's out of town. So finally, some people would like drive to Orlando to his office and they'd be like, well, Lou's not here. And they're like, well, can I just see the the documents, the certificate, like the Lloyd's of London letter or whatever? And they'd be like, they're in the safe. All of it's in the safe. And they're like, well, can we see what's in the safe? And they're like, well, Lou's not here, so we can't open the safe. So he had all of these ways (laughs) of just like... And, like, he would pay some people, like, if they got mad enough, like, he would pay somebody a payout and all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he would he would literally, like, just just take more and more and more and more and more and just blow people off to, like, the a millionth degree. And then so people just started, like, emailing and, and writing reporters and things like that. And so it was in the uh, St. Petersburg Times, which I think turned into the Tampa Bay Times. But they this. They, they started investigating and that's how this whole kind of thing just unraveled is that you, you start looking at these accounts and like a basic forensic investigator can look at this account and be like, there's no planes. This doesn't exist. This literally doesn't <laughs> exist. So, okay. But I have, I have to ask, where did all this money go? He spent it. And well, here's the thing. We think, I think he spent it. I think that living that lifestyle, I think he spent it. There are groups of people, including people who are very close to Lou in his inner circle, who believe that there is money somewhere that is just all Hidden. stashed away because there's no way he blew through all that money. I don't know. I think the man spent a lot of cash. So, wouldn't we there don't be really a paper trail? No. 
But like Lou was involved with bad. He really was involved with bad dudes, though, like mob guys and like things like that. So there, there's ways to, so you know, cash. It, it, so he is he's like paying people out. He's yep. like flashing his wad places. Oh, they're doing. He's it, probably full honest. Good, full Goodfellas. They're going to the steakhouse. They're doing a backroom deal. You know what I mean? They like loved cosplaying yeah. as like weird Italian mobsters. This whole group of guys. So also, doesn't anyone notice that there's like no transcontinental airline planes out there? Like you see them. Yeah, Lou would always make excuses like why they were flying commercially or like, why can't we like, like, NSYNC would be like, why can't we just take your plane? And he would be like, oh, no, my plane's like in the shop or like whatever lie he wanted to do. Like, so he he would just convince them that like they were flying commercial and like, oh, he could fly them, but they're not. It's weird that he was like the most prolific grifter of all time time and just like did it all within the same 10 year he like did six different grifts all at the same time yeah well i mean he he they they estimate his ponzi scheme was around 300 million um putting him right just behind bernie madoff actually in terms of largest ponzi schemes um in the u.s so he definitely made his little mark um but it's that thing though where he could have he was making so much money with with NSYNC and with Backstreet Boys, like he could have paid everybody back. Like he could have paid, he could have paid all those uh, transcon investors and then just like closed it. And no one would have ever known. He would have just said like, Oh, Hey, we're closing our financial fund or whatever. You know what I mean? And nobody would have asked, but instead he was greedy and it just, you know, got the best of them, man. He could have gotten away with it. Yeah, that's that's the craziest part. Yeah, it's like of full Scooby Doo. Is he could have gotten away with running a fake airline for several years. Yeah, and just like snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Yup. Yeah, it's tough. So there's to get to the dark stuff. <laughs> so Lou's longtime friend and business associate's name was Frankie Vasquez. And I talked to Frankie Vasquez's ex-girlfriend. She was not happy to be on. She was too afraid to be on camera when we talked to her. Um, But Frankie Vasquez basically invested all of his and his mother's life savings into the trans into the fund for Lou. And Frankie found out that uh, the money was fake and the money was gone. His mother had lost everything. And so there's this epic confrontation between Frankie and Lou in front of, I believe it was in front of Transcon Records. So, like, they're fighting at night, they're screaming at each other, and then the next day, Frankie is dead. So, uh... What? How? Yeah, Frankie's dead. Um, it was a suicide, but there's, like, a lot of shady stuff about it if you, like, look into the actual, like, there's a, 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 like, a uh, obituary that's been updated and and like redone over the initial one so there's like a updated obituary or a, not obituary uh coroner's report so like there's a lot of like weird little things about it but like it's basically like whether or not Lou Pearlman had him murdered which is like the the gossipy undertones of this it's like this man's like entire life was invested in Lou and Lou so callously like didn't care that his mother lost everything he lost everything like Frankie Vasquez was like VP at Transcon. He ran his steakhouse. He ran all of his businesses for him. Like he was really his guy. And Lou just let him just hung him out to dry. Just was conning him the entire time. Yeah. I mean, it kind of doesn't matter whether Lou like ordered a hit or not. Like Lou killed that guy. He ruined his life. Yeah, he ruined his life. And possibly his life. And like ended it. Yeah. 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 To the point of suicide. And that's generous. Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was uh, carbon monoxide poisoning in his Porsche. So it was like it went in the garage. Just horrible. So none of that was investigated, though? No. Because well, then it's like, you know, Lou pays off Charlie Crist and Lou pays off the governor. So there's all this kind of like gossip yeah. that is all in this like... And, like, everybody loved Frankie, too. Like, Jesus. most people, like, when I talked to, like, when we were talking to, like, people in the inner circle and stuff, like, everybody was just so, still to this day just, like, devastated by the death of this man. Like, everybody loved Frankie. So this was, like, such a blow to, like, the whole kind of thing. And and you said his mom was afraid to talk to you. His girlfriend. His girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend. Yeah, his ex-girlfriend. Oh, I'm sorry. His, his ex-girlfriend was afraid to talk to you, implying that... She was scared. She thinks that... Mm-hmm. She thinks that it was Lou, actively Lou, as opposed passively to passively Lou. Well, Lou. I'd, or one of, one of his associates. As I said, they're all like down there playing fake Florida mobster. So you're like, uh, right. there's the rumors, just, like everything just gets blown. So you don't, know what's, you don't know what's true. And that's the whole thing with Lou. Every single thing is a lie. So you don't know. You, you don't even know if yeah. the lies are lies. It's, it's, it's wild. But yeah, so that's the Frankie thing. And then Lou had a problem with young men. And I would say, I don't know how we even talk about this. Um, but yeah, so Lou had drivers. And Lou's thing was he loved surrounding himself with attractive young men. He just really did. And that's all kind of wrapped up in his ego thing of like wanting to be a part of the band and wanting to be on tour with them. And like, he's one of the guys. And so like Lou's house was fun. And like, you would go to Lou's house and Lou had games and like beer and pornography and a, you know, pool table. And you could do whatever you want if you went to Lou's house. So you just go to Lou's house and you can just like do whatever you want. Lou's totally cool with it. Um, and so then, and like a lot of the guys lived at the house. Um, the houses were completely cameraed from top to bottom. So Wait, he had what? eyes on every, oh yeah, top to bottom. Lance ba- Lance tells a story in, in our film where he's like, I, I, there's cameras all over this house. So like Lou watched everything. He had like a control room in his bedroom of like all of the cameras. So like Lance and JC lived in the house. Yeah, and it was just, he, there at were the a time, lot of allegations. did they know that there were cameras? Yes. Oh, so this is, I mean, like, this is textbook grooming, right? You have these 100%. generously 18-year-old kids mm-hmm. who get to drink alcohol and watch pornography and hang out with Lou and lose the fun guy that you can hang out with, and all you have to do is be on his own personal reality show. Yeah, and, like, everything people say, Lou is, Lou is affable, Lou is funny, Lou is, like, that New York guy, and, the, and all the things that made Donald Trump funny before he was a menace to the world, you know what I mean? Like, all yeah. that, he's just a very New York-y kind of, like, bravado, like, big laugh, like, so people loved being around Lou, but he just was scamming everybody literally at all times, and there were a ton of allegations from, like, different boy band members and some of from his other bands about inappropriate relations with him and between him and the the band members and a lot of like quid pro quo stuff. Ashley Parker Angel told us a story where Lou told them that there was this German guy that they had to meet overseas and he was a very important man. And so Lou told them that they needed to practice blowjobs because that's what that guy was going to expect from them so they needed to practice on him oh my god because they need they need to be good at it for when they go to meet this german guy yes and sorry i misspoke this is a story that rich cronin told ashley parker angel and a bunch of other people all right rich cronin from lfo so this happened to rich in lfo 
I got to be really close with Rich Cronin because his brother Mike was our manager and LFO came out on tour with us. Rich was one of the members that actually lived in Lou's house with him at one point. I feel I can tell this story because Rich went on Howard Stern and told it. He tells me that Lou basically comes in and he's all worked up and he's like, you know, I got this big opportunity for you guys in Europe. He's punching his table, he's act really acting good. He goes, this could be the make it or break it moment for LFO. This guy over in Europe who has this big recording company. He goes, all he wants to do is touch your penis. Oh. And I don't know what happens after that. Just pretty much touch your penis and, you know, play with it. That's how they do business over there. I don't want you to get freaked out. We got to do what's right for the band. And so I'm going to let you practice on me so that we don't go over there and blow this deal. And guess what else? In college, I was a psychology minor. I'm going to help you get through it mentally. He goes, well, think about it, guys. Don't say this. To, don't you fucking tell anyone. But it's okay. So, so, but this is, once again, it is the, he's like so good at spinning a story where he's like, listen, I don't want a blowjob from you. I'm just one of the guys. Yeah. This German guy, he definitely does want a blowjob from you. And I will, t I, I'm willing to take the hit and allow you to practice giving me a blowjob. Lou also got a lot more, um, frivolous and like careless as as he continued on so like with NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys like Mrs. Bass is there Mrs. Timberlake is on tour with them like no funny business is happening like there it's all really pretty fairly buttoned up it's when you get to these other bands who like aren't famous and are really more desperate and are not on international world tours they're just like living in the Florida house or their O-Town or LFO or Lou had a lot more control over those bands because they weren't the juggernauts that were NSYNC and Backstreet Boys so and he was able to be a them. lot more yeah and he was able to be a lot more flagrant with them in terms of like overtures and things like that were there any other boy band members that were super open about what lou was doing or, or does he have any defense did lou have any defenders lou had a couple defenders but not really particularly the only one was his best friend alan gross who we interviewed a lot for the doc but he also burned him beyond recognition too so like <laughs> it's not his there really are no defenders left i think there are a couple other guys who are really really open about it but their credibility is not the best in terms of like what about aaron carter well the aaron carter stuff is is wild i think my take on it is like we had interviewed aaron the day after he got arrested um, so he was in just a state. So he was already in kind of like a very emotional state. But what, what was he arrested I, at least for? From, uh, he was arrested for possession at a Walmart because he was getting his tires changed. And he said it was celebrity crime. Like the police were profiling him because he was a celebrity at a Florida Walmart. Possession of? Marijuana, I believe. Um, but yeah, so the thing with Aaron Carter, I, I would say like my opinion is, is that like Aaron Carter came into that world when he was like 10 years old and like Lou Pearlman was like his dad and the Carter family. I don't know if you watch the show or you like know about them. Very fucked up. Like the very, very fucked up family, like the mom and dad, like it's not the best show business kind of like st story. So Lou is very much like a father to Aaron and Aaron had massive successes, like nine, 10, 11 years old with Lou. And like, he would just like did everything for Lou. Like Lou was his almost like de facto dad. And I think 
for Aaron, I think he just got so much of that confused of like, I don't know specifically, but like conflating abuse and love and nurture and all that kind of stuff. And like now he's just like so far off the rails that you're like the truth and reality don't even like exist anymore for that. And if, if it feels awful to like kind of watch this guy fall apart, but he really was. He was also the same as he sued Lou for millions, too, because it's the exact same thing where like it's. You make all this money, you put all your stock into this guy, and then you find out you don't have anything. And you're, like, one of the most famous people, and you have nothing. And, like, what do you do? And in the movie, Aaron defends... Or he doesn't defend Lou, but he says that Lou never touched him. He says that Lou Lou never touched him, and Lou wouldn't. My opinion of Lou being a sexual predator is that that is not true. That is so foul. He would come up to you and he'd teach you how to do push-ups. He taught me how to do diamond push-ups so I could build my chest. And he's a pedophile? Shut up about that, guys. And so, like, he's, like, staunchly, like, very, very aggressively. Like, he thinks, like, he was, like, looking down the barrel of the camera, like, talking to people, being like, that's a lie. Like Lou didn't would never blah 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 blah. So his his position is very much that. Even though his creepy manager, in order to get Aaron, was like, "You want him to tell you all the sex stuff?" And we were like, "Well, no, we just want to interview him." And he was like, "You want to know what? about the sex?" Yeah, and he was like, "You want to know about the sex stuff, right?" So like to he was you. trying to bait us. Yeah, so he's basically trying to bait us into getting Aaron down for an interview, so Aaron could sit there and be like, "Fuck everybody who says Lou is." a bad person he's not and blah 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 so he's very much in that camp of like he defends lou like he knows he got fucked over by lou but he also loves lou because it's kind of his father figure and it also gave him his career it's like a lot it's very it's all very upsetting and like i I remember we went to shoot him in a uh it was in like this like music venue and before the the thing started he was like hey you mind if i just play the piano real quick and i was like oh jesus christ okay and he like went and sat down at the piano he's like amazingly talented he just like sat down played and sang just by himself for like 10 minutes it was incredible i was like oh this is sad he's like very but it's just spit up and absolutely like chewed out of the britney spears machine like just really just there could be a level of self-defense, right? Like, I'm not saying whether or not Lou touched Aaron Carter, but if he did, Aaron Carter would have a good reason to be like, he never did. He would never do exactly. that. Well, like, that does, you're protesting a little too much here. Like, yeah, Perhaps. I don't know. It's all so muddy. It is all so muddy. And like... It, the movie doesn't I, when it, make a claim. I, uh, and, and we are also not because we can't just be like well he definitely touched this guy when wow. the guy yeah. himself says that he didn't but Lou it's easy to kind of write this off as well Justin Timberlake's doing fine and mm-hmm. the rest of NSYNC they have their money but like really clearly like he ruined people's lives like completely people destroyed committed them a, a bunch of people we tried to reach out to had killed themselves like just straight up like they were and like it's these retiree and there's no way to make your money back like they were the hardest and that's what i was that was what's so tough about at least making this is that like you're we're at this fancy studio with aj mclean and lance bass and we're filming their finding you know glossy interview and we have hair and makeup there but then like two weeks later we're in florida and this woman is just bawling to us on her couch because her 
her parents divorce had to get divorced like their relationship fell apart and then her mom died after they lost all their money with Lou and it's just so devastating like it's such like a, a flip of a coin because you don't think about what interested me in the story in the first place was like just how dark like how this music that brings people such joy and light is like funded by like something that's actually like pretty dark and sinister and like and if you don't look at anything away. you don't you could have walked away yeah it's it, it it's crazy and so they start investigating Lou and so Lou gets on a plane with his band U5 and says hey I'm we're getting on this plane and so Lou bails so Lou is in the wind so Lou knows the jig is up Frankie is dead Lou is in the goddamn wind so now we're on like an international manhunt for Lou Pearlman so the FBI is looking for him like the state of Florida like the attorney general is out looking for him like it is a full-on actual manhunt so Lou over is the, like over the transcon airline stuff over the Ponzi scheme yeah so we don't at all know we don't like so so all the boy band stuff has basically been settled at this point and they're like well tough shit but it's it's tra- it's the airline Ponzi scheme where they're chasing him down yeah because those guys signed contracts there's, there's no, you can't prove a crime. They signed the contracts, but this was an, this was an actual crime that they could go after him for. So there's all these sightings of like, is Lou in Germany? Is Lou here? Where is Lou? Where is Lou? And Lou ends up in Bali, and this couple is eating, at like they're on vacation and they're eating and they look over and there's just this like gross fat man over there, just like sitting eating his breakfast and they're like, is that Lou Pearlman? And so they take a picture. Of Lou Pearlman, and then they email it to like I don't know FBI.com or no, they email it to the reporter in the ta- in Tampa who was like kind of like the one kind of really like doing all of the Lou Pearlman stories. So she connects with the FBI and the police, and they were like, "Oh my God, that's so funny! We had a tip that he was in Bali. Those two guys sitting behind him in the photo eating breakfast are FBI agents." And so they just snapped a photo of him and the FBI agents are just eating breakfast literally right next to him. And so they just like finish their breakfast, arrest him, and then extradite him back to America, which is just wild. So like, and like, I don't want to say like, like the big gross guy got caught eating, but like he did. He did. I have to. He did. And it's no. just. It okay. Feels good. I was already going to say we have to make. I need us to make a distinguishment here that he's not gross because he's fat. We don't fat shame on this show. We don't think weight makes you gross. Lou is gross because he's gross. We are not going to fat shame he's anyone. Gross. Yes. <laughs> he is sweaty gross. and disgusting. And he and he's one of the grossest people that's that just like regardless of what he looked like, he was rotten to Gross. the core. This guy, yeah. oh, a hundred percent. Like he he groomed young men. He caused his friends either to commit suicide or to be on to be not alive. Died anymore. by suicide. He yeah took took old ladies' monies. Like yeah, like he fucking he was disgusting. Yeah. So, okay, they catch Lou in Bali. Yes, they catch Lou in Bali, and they extradite him back to America. And he stands trial, uh, and he is prosecuted in Florida, and he is given 25 years uh, in prison, which is one of the largest sentences given out for white-collar crimes. Yeah. Um. So he definitely uh, for, he got his time. For, for running a Ponzi scheme. So it's like for defrauding. For running a Ponzi scheme. Whatever. 
Yep. Um, okay. Can I ask a question? How long he was no. like on yep. the run? How long they were looking for him? So he was on the run from February 2007 to June 2007. So, oh, so just like about four, 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 months. four or five months. Okay. Yeah. There's awesome video of them raiding the transcontinental offices on Church Street, and they're just pulling out like thousands of boxes. Um, but like they literally said, the uh, attorney general said that like he, uh, it was as if Lou literally just got up and ran out. Like the safes were open and empty. <laughs> like he literally just was like, gotta go, grabbed a bag and just <laughs> took off. Jesus. Um, and so t- okay, 25 years in prison, but he, and you said earlier that he was pitching people reality shows from prison. Oh yeah, he was constantly scheming. He would, uh, he would just, he would say, yeah, if I got, f- if I have internet access, if you can just give me a phone, I can put another band together and I can pay everybody back. Don't worry, like you just got to let me have this stuff. And then he was like pitching reality show competitions and stuff. He, the man, never, he really believed that he, he deserved that money and like he wasn't defrauding people and he could just make it all right and just go back to Jeez. being the businessman that he was. But that's like the that's like the gambler's fallacy, right? Where he like he like knew that he was on top of the world thought it would last forever didn't realize that he had peaked and then now all he thinks is that he all he has to do is get another band together and he can like be on top of the world again he just wants to get back in the game what sucks is that he they only recovered about four percent of his asset or like his like of the 300 million dollars and what's terrible is that Everyone is so like when in one of these Ponzi scheme situation, all of the victims are technically the creditors. So Lou Pearlman owes, you know, all of these victims in Florida money. But then Lou Pearlman also owns, you know, major banks money, Mm -hmm. too. And unfortunately, the way the law works is that little little, uh, you know, grandma in Orlando gets just as much gets her money as when the bank gets the money, too. So like the bank is just as equal of a creditor as this woman. So like you as a victim aren't ever going to see any of that money back because those big players like the banks are going to come in and get their shares. Yeah. And, and then you don't, the, what's most, left for the victims is like at the absolute most, they're going to get 4% of what they put in, which is like, yeah, like no one is made whole. Jesus. Like, um, and okay. So Lou is spoiler alert, no longer alive. Correct. He died of a stroke in prison. Jesus. Did we say when he died? Lou died in August of 2016. Or did he? Or did he? <laughs> no, you don't want to send me down the conspiracy rabbit hole. You know how that goes. All right. Give, give, okay. So we're, we're, we're about to wrap up the episode. Give us one of your most favorite Lou conspiracies, something that you believe is true but can't prove. Okay. Um, I, believe, I believe there is money somewhere. Ah. You think that there's money hidden somewhere? I believe that there's money somewhere. I don't think it's all there, but I think there's there's money there's money somewhere. Somebody has it. There's Lou's money manager guy who's never been seen again. No never one can been find seen him again. <laughs> like nobody knows where he is. The man is a the man is a literal ghost. We had like he's a ghost, and so everyone like when we we've talked to everybody, one question we would ask everybody is where do you think the money is? And like you know like Donna and like all of these all of these people in like Lou's inner circle were like, oh, you got to ask 
blah 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 for the money because he knows where it is like and so everyone believes that like Lou's guy knows where the money is so like you know there's smoke there's fire like I think a a lot of the stuff it turns out to be half true like everything with Lou so like there's probably some truth to this but there's not some like Swiss bank account with 300 million dollars sitting it like the man spent a lot of money so when you say 300 million dollars that that was just what he raised from the, the Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme. So he would have had to have lost that much money from InSync and Backstreet Boys, too. Yes. So the money that we're talking about is is actually like six hundred million dollars. Oh, for sure. He, he also he defrauded t- banks too. So he would go to banks and get like huge business loans based on his airline projections and all of it, and it, they were all. F- false and so he would defraud so huge banks out of money approaching a, a billion dollars probably yeah oh he, my God. if you look at yeah i mean honestly the amount is insurmountable if you think of how much money nsync and backstreet boys made in that yeah. time period like right. who knows how much he made and spent or made and lo- like it's yeah it's got to be a, a really the, touring yeah, very merchandising least talking six seven hundred thousand seven hundred yep. million dollars yeah I, I couldn't even make my mouth say how much money that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah 700 grand um no yep. 700 million dollars holy shit oh man okay so if there's one thing you'd want to leave us on mm-hmm. leave leave the audience with tell us give us a give us a goodbye Give us a give us a final wrap up th- thought. Okay, I think. <laughs> oh God, it's so hard to come up with just like a final thought about Lou and and that time. But I think uh, the music industry is bad. I think that yeah. is. I think sure one of my bigger thoughts. Like uh, the entertainment industry is bad, but the music industry is real bad too. Um, and I think somebody like Lou Pearlman, like surrounds himself with shiny things and i think we as people need to be better at looking at the surface looking underneath like why why are things the way they are and i think that's what i learned a lot from this is like peeling back those layers and and thinking that like all these guys must have made so much money so it doesn't really matter like if this weird guy went to jail but then i got to sit in these people's houses who lost their life savings and you're like you don't ever i never heard that story one time from anybody other than in like the local papers in tampa that we like looked up so like there there's so much more to like stories and like assuming that like somebody's crime doesn't affect you know like it isn't that bad like Mm. you know you can't you know you never know you don't really know who's actually affected by things a lot of times and people lost their livelihoods people lost their lives yeah and i would like to leave people know that like but because this guy existed though like most music like he influenced the music industry even just by bringing us max martin in a way that like very few people have which is weird like yeah. he would be if he was not a criminal he would be in the rock and roll hall of fame like he would be like he would be a celebrated like legendary music producer like quincy basically. jones or something yeah like, like he yeah. would have been the father of pop the the 90s 2000 pop era he technically was but he's just also a criminal so that's you know tough breaks for his legacy there but um you know he really did usher in tell me there were bigger bands than backstreet boy and nsync they still have cachet to this day yeah and that's literally he formed them in florida in a in a blimp hanger <laughs> like <laughs> to, to, co- to cover up his fake airline yes <laughs> jesus well matt thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me thank you for letting me shout about lou perlman for like three hours 
It was it's awesome. my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> if people want to hear more of your shouts uh, about Lou Pearlman, where can they go to see your movie, The Boy Band Con, colon, The Lou Pearlman Story? It is literally free on YouTube, which is amazing. It is. I have many, many, many thoughts about that that we have talked about that I won't spread on the air, but I feel, you know, watch it on YouTube for free, everyone, because it is probably the best, the best YouTube original documentary that ever was or will be. Um, Oh, thank you. But I did see one about this guy with like one leg who like climbed a mountain and it was very inspirational. <laughs> so it's all the same. It's all the same. Um, so this if, is the second best. And if people want to follow you personally on social media, where can they, where can they get you? Uh, Maddie underscore TV on all things. On all things. I am a big fan of your TikTok. Wherever you, Matt's on TikTok now. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. I'm making jokes. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing dances yet, but we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Matt's TikTok is. I mean, it's just reaction videos, and it is absolutely incredible. <laughs> There's some wild stuff going on. People think people want it. The amount of people in the world that think people want to see them is pretty. It's pretty unbelievable. People who think I got to get to my phone right now. The people got to see. It. <laughs> they got to see me um, do this. And so, what are we going to go out on today? I think we should go out on that JC Chazé song. Yes. So what is what is the that, that song called? Girls tell, stare tell at me. Do song? girls dance with each other? Some girls dance with it's some girls, and <laughs> I will say for him, it's my favorite thing. I love a song with the parentheses. So it's some girls parentheses dance with women close parentheses. My favorite type of song is a song with a parentheses. So like separate ways parentheses worlds apart by Journey, fantastic parentheses song. Um, jump parentheses for my love. Great. I'm telling you. Anyway, so this all. is JC <laughs> Chazé's Some Girls Dance with Women. Some Girls parentheses Dance with dance Women close with parentheses. Women. Yes. Where can people find more of us on the internet, Lindsay? Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter and at lyricsforlunch.com. And for longer and weirder stuff, shoot us an email at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, you can go to lyricsforlunch.com and click support. It is a great way to help this podcast carry on because surprise, we're taking a break. Yes, we're going to t- this <laughs> thus ends our first year, our first 50 parentheses, one episodes of Lyrics for Lunch. So we're going to take a quick break for a few weeks to recharge the old batteries clear out Lindsay's hard drive for whatever reason so she can (laughs) continue recording and we'll be back soon with a whole new year's worth of of music Um, (laughs) but in the meantime like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts it's the best way to never miss an episode especially when we come back and Matt thank you so much for joining us thank you very much Matt is doing this really hot dance right now that's like turning me on a little see it on TikTok (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll leave you to I'll leave you to <laughs> do whatever you gotta do some girls dance with women man until next time I'm Aviv Rubenstein I'm Lindsay Tucker oh do I Matt need to is, say goodbye oh, yeah you gotta and say I'm say I'm Matt Ducey bye don't bye don't be like Lou oh, some girls dance with women